Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast, where we sit down with everyday people who do extraordinary things. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Coming to you live from St. Petersburg, Florida. I'm down here for the Mother's Day weekend. Got to do a flyby. You know, moms love that. It's all about that. And uh, guess who I bumped into while I was down here? Yes, indeed. My older, handsomer, smarter brother, Sven. That is all subject to, you know, interpretation, I suppose. But I did end up wrapping things up on that West Sale, and I did do a little bit of a podcast with my new friend Mark, and uh, Steph was there sort of in the background. I'll be bringing a show about sort of what we did, the training, all that sort of stuff uh, later on this week, but... I sort of have to kind of think that one out a little bit. But before that, since I got to be able to sit down with the old bro, obviously we had to chat it all out, and we talk about everything from travel. We talk a lot about sailing this time, which is actually pretty cool. And then we just go off into the weeds, uh, like I like to, actually, with Sven, because we always sort of shoot from the cuff, as I like to say, and it's always a lot of fun, and we just kept going and going and going. So hopefully everybody enjoys this show. It's a bit of a long one, but hey, you know, Sven, when it comes down to uh, sitting down with that guy, it's all gold, so I just let it fly. But other than that, before we start the show, like I always say, if you want to support this podcast and keep it going... And just, you know, keep the mics updated, keep the adventure alive. You can sign up to the Patreon, link in the description. Other than that, we've got the merch out there. And I want to do a big shout out to my buddy Mike at Sail Junkie. He sent me this epic picture and he said he's going to try and modify it into a pretty cool logo for a new shirt line, which would be pretty cool. So we'll hopefully be bringing that to you soon. But all the other ones are in the description as well. And if you would like to reach out to the show like so many of you have, it was really great to see all the emails from the Mental Health Awareness Month, uh, that show, and then also uh, all the people that wrote in about my back pain, which I will tell you is feeling so much better right now. So just FYI, taking it easy, taking it slow, stretching it out. So other than that... SailingIntoOblivion.com, podcast link, contact the show. Those go directly to me, and uh, I'll either answer you by email or I'll throw it right into the podcast. But without further ado, Sven and Jerome sitting down for our episode number five, I think, something like that. So here we go, another episode with the brothers. Enjoy. Thanks for listening. All right, we are sitting down with Sven once again. <laughs> Episode five, I think, of the publishable ones. Yeah, I think so too. I it's mean, good to see you, bro. Yeah, good to see you too. Always, yeah, always yeah. pleasure. Just like an unannounced sort of visit on my end. Yeah, this is just a just a random pod, which is sort of cool. Hey, always, and you're fresh off. A little bit of uh, you still have the Spanish glow about you. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Uh, Ian and I just got back from Spain. That was fun. That was I fun. I still, when you told me you had rented a car, 
to travel throughout the country. I couldn't believe that because I know how difficult some of those roads dude, in other countries dude, can be. Dude, listen, listen. I don't suggest that for anybody. <laughs> all right. Because, because, first of all, there are no parking spots in Spain. Yeah. What do you even do with the car? It'd be like, you know, you're going from hotel to hotel, right? Valets. So, well, you're just hoping to God that they've got some sort of off street parking spot mm. for you to take over. Even at the hotel, it wasn't free. Right, so it was, it was, it was, it was, it was a real. It was, it was. Sometimes it was a complete nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So it, I, I don't. I recommend trying to find a different way to get around. Well, get know? like I, you know, when I was in Istanbul, yeah, the first two days I tried to just work my way around all this stuff, do it on my own. Uh, uh-uh. uh. And then finally, I, I sort of realized, you know, it's probably going to be a one time trip. I mean, it was at the end of that yacht delivery of Katura. Yeah, yeah, and. uh I got a guide and we were just walking. We weren't driving or anything like yep. that. But I wonder if that's uh, a little bit of a possibility where you, I mean, I know it would be pricey to get a car and a driver, like tour guide thing. Yeah. I mean, we did a little bit of that in, in Taiwan, mm-hmm. you know, but we were mostly in Taipei with a couple day trips and it was pretty affordable. Plus, there was like three of us splitting it, you know, yeah, our friend yeah. Bruce, Ian, and myself. Right. And uh, also the guy, you know, I mean, Bruce is from Taipei. So there you go, there local you go. knowledge. Yeah, exactly, local knowledge. I mean, if 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 I was to recommend, like possibly Italy, Spain, because they're almost the same, is that uh, what you want to do is you want to spend probably a little bit more time in the cities that you want to see because you're never going to see it all. Yeah, and then figure a way to get some sort of transportation to your next spot. Oh, oh, like if you were, you know, college student, you'd take yeah. like a bus or a train, right? Or, you know, because a lot of the big places. Do they have the train? Oh, super high speed. We were, we were driving through and all of a sudden I look off in the distance and there's a rocket ship going like 160 oh, miles an really? hour. Oh, really? Really? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And that's like, I think that'll link you to like Madrid, Barcelona. Uh, I guess all of, of Europe is pretty much linked up together, aren't they? Um, sort of. I we read in one of the uh, tour uh, manuals, the little tour guide books. Yeah, that you get. They said they said that uh, uh, pre like nineteen ninety or something, Spain's train system was the laughing stock of the EU. Or, oh, uh, really? Yeah, yeah. They said it was it was the most useless thing. Welcome to the Cog <laughs> Railway. Yeah, and I think what happened was when they got into the EU. There was a lot of exchange of this is how the train system in France and in Germany works, and you're going to follow along. Right, right, right. <laughs> you're going to do you're going to do what we do. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. And so, but uh, yeah, you see it off in the distance. You just be all of a sudden, whoosh, you're like, oh, yeah, 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 just, just well, yeah. and that is traveling in comfort. I've always wanted to try. Uh, well, the ultimate goal, I guess, when I was younger, at least, was always the Trans Siberian Railroad. It sounded like. You know, not only a train ride, yeah, but, but an isn't adventure. Like a week, I think it's even longer, longer than that. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a haul. That is a haul. But I mean, you're seeing the largest you know landmass on the planet, so to speak. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, the, uh, well, at least the longest bordered. Does it go? I don't know if it starts in probably Moscow or Saint Moscow Petersburg, and then goes yeah. to Saint Petersburg, something like that. Well, I mean, Saint Petersburg, I believe, is north. I don't, I'd have to have a Russian map. Oh, in front yeah, of me. yeah. But 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 if you go all the way to the to the end, you know, where you're like a stone's throw from 
Alaska. Alaska, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah I've, I've heard that that's a crazy. That would crazy be pretty tree. nuts. Yeah. I know the U.S. has them. I think they have some that are kind of, you see like YouTube channels every once in a while where somebody's like, First class on the trans US da da da. I know. Yeah, the, there's just some Amtrak stuff that runs cross country. Mm. You know, the only high speed we one we have is is a uh, Boston to Washington DC line. That's it. That's it. That's it. Oh. Just one. Just one. Or at least at least that was when I was living in Providence. Yeah, or, or in uh, Bristol, Rhode Island, right? Um, uh, I would be on the track in Kingston going into um, Penn Station. And all of a sudden, this thing would be ripping at like 120 miles an hour, <laughs> and you're standing on the on the on the uh, station. You know, you're standing there, and it just yeah, right. You know, it just like it almost takes your bag out of your hand, you know. And, but but it didn't stop there. It only stops in like like oh hub, like yeah. hubs like well because yeah, if you're going that fast, it. You it's can't, gonna slow you down if you gotta keep doing. You're never you gonna you get can't up keep to doing speed. stops. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, but, Americans love their cars. That's always yeah. been sort of a love affair. Yeah, because uh, we, I mean, obviously we haul a lot of freight on trains still, but even yeah. up where we lived in Michigan, mm-hmm. you know, those train tracks got ripped out a long time oh, yeah. ago. I mean, I, I see it in New Mexico. So when I when I uh, drive from uh, Albuquerque down to uh, Roswell, mm-hmm. there's a major corridor. And that's where they're doing a mile long train with double stacked, yeah, double yeah, stacked yeah. containers, and you're just like, Jesus. and it's got like Crazy. three three locomotive engines mm-hmm. in the front, and maybe like two in the back pushing. Right, right. Yeah, it's just like, oh, there's a lot of commerce going on there. Well, I think Australia has, and they're usually corporation owned. You know, going from the iron ore mine. To, to the processing the facility yeah, or whatever. And has yeah. a huge conveyor belt that drops them right on that show. I mean, up there where... Port Walcott. Where yep. Dad used to work, yeah. I was actually showing my buddy Chris that. I was showing him the satellite image of that. Oh, really? Where, where you can see the pier that goes yeah. out for like two or three miles. You can see it from space. <laughs> absolutely... Well, I mean, I, I used to... There was a, an Australian guy that I worked with back in the day, and he loved this quote. One night we were all hanging out, and I, I had said... I think I was doing, uh, I was doing some sort of Harry Carey impression, like Will Ferrell used to do. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, if Australia was a, or no, how was it go? Sorry, if the moon was an egg, you could fry it on Australia. And it was because Australia is essentially a giant plate of iron. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. At least you know the the Northwest Territory. I mean that. I supposedly when they first discovered it, it was some guy who like had to emergency land his plane back in like forties or fifties and sort of realized he was like, Holy cow, wait a minute. I think this is just iron. Yeah. And they yeah. became one of the wealthiest families. Uh oh no. I kidding. can't remember the name. It's in you know, one of the most Oh wait, so he just took a look around and he was like, There's a lot of red here. Yeah, and just started buying it up. And they they had the most expensive house, I believe, in Perth. It's, I, I'm all getting all this information from um, a fantastic book called uh, A Short History of Nearly Everything by Bill Bryson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, I've, I, no I've read that. Yeah, it's I great. I love that one's really fun to listen to. I have it on audiobook uh, because you can start it anywhere. Yeah, anywhere, anywhere. And it's jumping anywhere. from history yeah. to science to mm-hmm. yeah, just well, everything. To everything. That's yeah. the whole point of the title. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a great book. Those little tidbits here and there. Was he? You know, it's sort of funny though because that um, that uh, those mineral extraction dudes. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, they're even though you hear a little bit less about mining than you do like with oil, right? Because mining's sort of like off in the distance, someplace that's uninhabited. It's in the background. It's in yeah. the background. Try and keep it that way. And and they they keep their their disasters are sort of like on their property. <laughs> you know, so it's like, it's just like, it's like, well, I own the disaster. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. not like in the ocean where it's like, oh no, my disaster is everybody's disaster. There's, oh yeah, yeah there's yeah. an oil slick. Oh, it's 10 shit. miles long. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, we can just cancel out tourism for this part of Florida <laughs> for the next two years. Don't eat this shrimp. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, but it's, it's sort of funny because I, I think the, the profit margins, especially on that mining stuff, is just through the, I mean, it's just an oil level. Oh, it must be when they find those there, there was, there's a lot of, uh, stuff on YouTube. You can find about that deposit that they found. I believe it was like in the mountains in South America way back in the day. And it was somebody who was down there scouting for the stuff. And he sees this like pinnacle rock jetting out of the side of this mountain. And it's all like greenish turquoise looking uh-huh. and he knows that's that's like copper oh yeah and yeah. it's just a filthy crazy amount i mean we're talking about mountain size thing and then there's a huge amount of gold and they went to literally all the extent they possibly could they had to build all the infrastructure to get into literally the middle of nowhere middle of nowhere up yeah. this mountain yeah. with all this stuff and just bore straight down oh yeah and, and it becomes it becomes such a cash cow that you're talking now, the the entire nation now runs on it. Well, that's the yeah. which unfortunately I mean, is putting all your eggs in one basket, which is risky business, as we've seen. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, if you're if you're dependent on to one thing, right, right, right. You know, you're sort of you're just playing with fire. Well, could you imagine though, like just like if you if you own some property somewhere, you know, for whatever reason. Yeah, you were yeah. you were like digging up a garden or something like that, and all of a sudden, holy! Like, what, hey. Oh my God, what the hell is this? That, that, that couldn't be. That's not gold, is it? That's not what I think it is. <laughs> is it? Yeah, like, it is. I mean, I from what I understand, that's what it was like in Australia when they when the gold rush hit like Victoria and all uh-huh. those regions. It was like holy cow! Yeah, like, but that was, was fairly recent. That wasn't like the 1800s with the California gold rush. That was, uh, you know, I'd, I'd have to read in to get the actual mm-hmm. dates, but it, yeah, it wasn't that long. I, I think the California gold rush was before the Australian one. Yeah, I believe. But even still, in Australia, I mean, and Australia is so old and weathered. I believe yeah. it's the oldest continent on the. I believe so. I know that that big. We need rock. some fact checkers. I know. I know. We need a Jamie. Uh, that, <laughs> I know. I know. Say. I know that rock formation. What's the name of that one? The famous one. Oh, it's out in the middle of nowhere. Well, it's. I believe it's called Ayers Rock, but it's it's it has a um, Aboriginal name. Uh, yeah, because it's like a special place for them. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But apparently, that rock formation is like one of the oldest, largest, oldest intact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Formations, I guess. And they, there are people that speculate that there must be something underneath it because that's how, like, gold and deposits of heavy metals oh, just collect. Get crushed. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. They just, sit under these big things. Yeah, yeah they just yeah. sort of lift themselves up. Let's <laughs> crack that sucker up. Well, sorry, we got a little detract, but um, you are very familiar with Spain. Yeah, this, this is my third time, and then back in the uh, late, uh, like, 2010 or something, I was there for, like, a month or two. Or I, was, I was, like, I had an apartment, you know. That was in Valencia, so, right? Yeah, it was in Valencia. And that was for? Uh, AC. 
The America's Cup. Yep, yep, yep. And then uh, and I thought then, you just throw that. Oh, it's the AC. Yeah. <laughs> At this point now, it's, it's, it's like when I haven't done another one since. So you're only as good as your last regatta. <laughs> Luckily, I won that one. But or Wise I did, I did not win. There. I did not win that one. <laughs> Jimmy Spithill and his group of dudes <laughs> won that one. I helped. You won the one before, though, right? Was it? When was the the BMW Oracle? It was 2009, 2010. Okay. Yeah. And Uncle Larry won that one. Yes. And then I was not. I I didn't. I went back to North Sales after that. You went back to North Sales after yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I gotcha. moved to San Francisco a little bit in in hopes of maybe chasing it. Yeah. Yeah. But by then there was the wings, and so we went from a team of like twelve sailmakers to a team of two. Oh, the fixed wing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it was pretty much like the jib. You were uh, pretty on. much every AC sailmaker was pretty much out of a job. Right, unless, right, right. Unless you were a senior guy on the previous teams. Yeah. And then that way you probably had some job security. But that was about it. Yeah. You know, I mean, there was a lot of guys who just went back to North Sales or Doyle or wherever they came from. Right, you, right. You know, it was just like, I mean, the, the, the guys who had r- the real job security were the boat builders. Because then those guys were now making the wings. Oh, so now they're doubling that, down. Now we're hiring boat Hall builders. To, yeah, you know. What were they using for uh, standing rigging on that? Was that all Dyneema and stuff? Um, I think it was. I think it was. It was carbon. Oh, it was carbon. Yeah. At this point, at this point, from what I've seen, you know, with like Sail GP, and um, even the the, the foiling monohulls, there's. It's all carbon. It's all carbon. There yeah. might be a couple stainless steel pieces, maybe enough to fill a laundry basket. And that's but it. honestly, it's all carbon. You might have something where like, it has to pivot mm-hmm. or it has to cup something that pivots, you know, like the Hobie Cat mass. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. At the base of the mass, there's the ball uh-huh. that sits in the divot, yeah. you know, like an egg eggshell carton uh-huh. for one egg. One egg. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. You're going to make that out of titanium or aluminum or something like that. Something that's got a be abrased right right, right. you know carbon carbon, carbon on carbon car- carbon on carbon is not a good not not moving parts yeah yeah yeah. you know like like when so when we uh the fins for the the our little stratospheric airship well it's not little it's 300 feet long yeah but my uh, anyways the, your uh, football field <laughs> size <laughs> airship for, for our little ship um so the the fins on the back there's three of them yeah you know and uh, one's a rudder and then the other two are stabilizers, uh-huh. right? Um, those are almost; those are very not not identical, but very very similar to the construction of a wing, mm-hmm. a sailing wing, j- just in the form factor, how it's sort of constructed. Well, so, the aerodynamics of it, yeah, it's got to uh, be the same. Well, time, I mean, right? I mean, I mean, although I, it's not creating lift for no, no movement, no, it's, no. it's creating d- lift d- for, for direction. direction. Yeah, so so an AC wing is like ten times more complicated than. Than, a, oh, than an I'm airship sure, yeah. fin. In fact, we don't even call them wings; we call them fins. And so, but the, like on the rudder, the rotating parts, the parts that actually move, uh-huh. where the carbon is supposed to interact with another piece of carbon, that stuff's all metal. Oh, okay. It's not very okay, big. Yeah. It's not very big. You know, but it might be something the size of a half dollar yeah. or a silver dollar. Just the point of impact with a post through it that is also either titanium or stainless or something like that. But yeah, carbon will just eat carbon on carbon. Alive, not, right? not, not moving parts. Yeah. 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 Static parts. Yeah. All day long. So, well, the line, if you were to try and do rigging 
would it look like normal line? Like, would it look like Dyneema if it was made out of carbon? No, it's. I think it's it super, like super. I think it's like a rod. Like a rod. Oh, yeah, but see, they're also okay, doing okay. this. They're also doing like like this, we're talking super. like nano cube and stuff, right? Uh, they're they're okay. So like the last time I checked, if you do nano carbon tubes, mm-hmm. which you, what you do is you put it into the adhesive to stick it together. Right. Okay. It's like a filler, like West system. Yeah. But it's like. 10 times lighter and five times as strong. In fact, I do know, I don't know if the rule has changed because I can't keep up with all the rule changes in F1, but I believe that they are still not allowed to use carbon nanotubes in, as an adhesive filler when they're constructing their, their cars. From what, just the expense point of view? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, because, I mean... How can you spend any more than in that <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, I know. So, oh, we're going to save some money here. Well, no, all, I, all <laughs> I can imagine is like they'll, they'll literally get these things so small that it essentially looks like piano wires holding up these, you know, 90 foot mass. Yeah, yeah. And if somebody is really unlucky and gets thrown into those, they just literally get chopped in half. half. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly. when the audience really starts to build, yeah. I think. Well, they, in some of the super high end, you know, because, you know, if, you, if you're a billionaire, and you're racing yachts, mm-hmm. well, then you can do whatever you want to your yacht. There's no way going to tell you to stop, yeah, right? Oh, no, and totally. so I've seen rigging that's actually foil-like. So mm. so it's raw, it's carbon rigging, yeah. but it's like not tier. It's like a double-edged teardrop. It's like a double-edged sword shape. Oh, so it's like aerodynamic. It's as arrow, well. arrow rigging. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> but I think I think, I mean, you got to be a billionaire, dude. <laughs> I don't know, man. We could use some of that on the West Sale. We could. I, I wonder. <laughs> I wonder what. So when she starts foiling, <laughs> I wonder. I, I think we had you and I might have had this discussion a long time ago after many beers. But what it possibly would take to put foils on Mighty Sparrow and and cut the weight aloft enough that they would actually work, but. I'm pretty sure in the end you were like, no, it's impossible. <laughs> the foil would have to be bigger than the boat. You oh, it definitely that. would. Because yeah. she, I've never had an accurate, uh, uh, nobody's been able to tell me exactly how much she weighs. Like all the, all the places I haul out, the boat, the boat lifts, you know, they oh, have no broken one's gauges a, and yeah, all that yeah. sort of No stuff. one's got a real working load cell Exactly, on it. Yeah. yeah. They're just like, oh, this thing's good to 50 feet, so you should be fine. <laughs> You'll be fine. We're not going to drop it in the yard. I'm pretty sure she... And even if we drop this thing, I'm sure she'll just bounce. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. She will. I, you know, I always tell people if I'm never worried about the stands falling out because uh, if the stands fell away from Sparrow, she would just fall the next foot. And sit there <laughs> until a stiff breeze came by. The bottom of that, well, the bottom of the keel is about a foot and a half wide. Oh, and it's really? Flat. Oh, I didn't know it was that wide. Oh, yeah. It oh, would, it would just, I mean, it's sitting on blocks right now, but the mm. question would be on a really calm day, no wind, you know, assuming the mass is still up. If you took Could all you stand the stands her away, on her keel, I'll bet you she would just sit there. She might. It'd be nerve wracking as hell. You'd have to move some life jackets to one side or the other. I'm well, sure. and therein lies the rub. Yeah, it has to be made sure it's balanced pretty well. And every time I, I always load the boat up, you know, on the hard, and we launch it. And she's usually kicked over about. You'd three have to degrees. go sailing. You go like port tack, five point two <laughs> knots. 
Starboard attack, 5.2 knots. Yeah, exactly. right. I think we're balanced right. now. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's a fine old yeah. vessel. Yeah, you know, I, I literally, so this is the first year that I have hauled out in the hurricane zone. So oh, speak. oh, that's right. You're further south. Yeah, time. down near the, in the Cape Hatteras area, inland, yeah. way inland in there. But, um, man. I stripped it down bare. The only I was gonna take the mast off, but really, you were gonna drop the rig. Well, I just figured, you know, less windage. Just, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And that would, I think, only really come into play if it, they get hit by like you know upwards of cat three, four, five. Yeah, yeah. Because normally with hurricanes, it's it's typically the the How, wave and yeah. storm surge that does the damage. Yeah, yeah. How much of a pain is it to drop that rig? Uh, it's not bad. Not bad. You know, I was very fortunate working up at Night Marine, biggest little boatyard in Maine. Shout out, Murph. Shout uh, out, Murph. <laughs> um, because I worked for them, you know, we could do all that sort of stuff, and it didn't really cost a lot of money. So, well, it didn't cost anything. They were great to me. You could do it after work. Yeah, we yeah, would just yeah. fire up the crane and go over. Yeah. Um, so, we, we pulled the mast a couple times. I think I pulled the mast up there three times. Oh, okay. Just to be able to inspect did you it. Ever, yeah, did you ever find anything that you weren't expecting? Um, no, actually, not really. Yeah, that's not awesome. Really. That is awesome. And then Larik, friend of the show, he he would always come over. Oh you know, yeah, I listened to that pro rigger. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's he's a badass. He'd dude. come over and just you know he'd eyeball it for me, you know, all that sort of stuff, and be like, yeah, it looks pretty good. And he did a lot of like when I it came to the force day, and I think the 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 mechanism for the dual backstays, he he built all that for me. And oh, that's cool. So I you know it was just one of those things where you, you kind of. Those are crucial elements, and you want to make sure. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm not down there with a wrench. Like, I hope I'm doing it right. Do you do you have one of those? Um, because your you, yours is rod or is it wire? Wire. Okay. Yeah. Do you have one of those uh, breakers? The uh, the things that got like the shotgun shell in it that you put around the rigging, if, in case your mast comes down. And you pull the trigger. Oh and no! Bang! No, and it just huh? just cuts the rigging right there. No, I don't. Well, and you know that was something that that Larique and I talked about. How uh, much are one of those things? Like four hundred bucks, three hundred bucks, or something? I have no idea. But there was. It's essentially that, and what he had said because I questioned him about it because I've always been under the the false assumption that a really heavy duty pair of bolt cutters would do it. No, not even close. No. He's like, he's like, all you're gonna do is smush it. You're never yeah, going to cut it. Yeah, he yeah, recommended yeah. these hydraulic uh, Maybe cutters. that's what I'm thinking of. I've seen pyro cutters, and I think I've seen hydraulic ones as well. Yeah, where I could you, be confusing you just them. keep like pumping, 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 and it, it just, just keeps pinching, pinching, it. pinching, yeah, until yeah. it's snap. Yeah. So I don't know. That's you know that's one of those worst case scenarios. I mean, I suppose I got pretty darn close on that last big oh, voyage, the, the, but the, uh, the uh, rollover to loosen the rig. Yeah. Well, not rollover, but the upside down. I went the smackdown. The smackdown. The Top Gun. I went inverted. Oh yeah. <laughs> Going need, over the fall. Need for speed. I still have to replace. I have to replace some of the ceiling um, panels because stuff hit and and cracked right through it. Yeah, it went Jesus. yeah, and it nailed that stuff for sure. But I, you know, like your ceiling here, uh, where it sort of has that. Uh, 
you know, yeah. wood panel. Yeah, is that that's tongue, what I'm tongue and do. groove yeah. or something like that? Yeah, it's yeah. Like, sort of nautical looking. Well, because they make that, you can get that in like a full sheet and just cut it to size. Oh, yeah. So that's not even put together. Probably not. No, no it, was, huh? it was just factory grooved. Yeah, just, and after being on this this stunning, yeah, you can see the seams. Yeah, 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 that stunning west sail. It has this beautiful ceiling in it and all that sort of stuff. Oh man. What was I on? Because the way you're describing that, I mean, like, I think the 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 prettiest boat. I mean, I've I've been on some really pretty boats. Yeah, you know. But I think like the one of the coolest ones I was on. I think it was a Morris Fifty Two, and it was like brand new. Was that the one you did the delivery down the West Coast? No, no, no. That was a Sparkman Stevens Fifty Forty Seven or something. That was like a nineteen. 50s boat oh hey, okay. I, oh it needed a lot of work this guy that was the guy took it on as a project but this like morris 52 or something like that was um it was brand new Ooh. and, and yeah, i was like oh wow dude i'm like it's this pretty is, incredible like, this is a giant piece of furniture yeah 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 right like, intricate is... too how when did you guys on that it was built old school brand new boat built totally old school and you did an all an offshore trip on that no, no, I, I just, I would, no, we were just working on the boat, you know, because we, we, oh, we had okay. sold them sails. Gotcha. Right. Gotcha. And it, but it had all this intricate stiff underneath. Yeah. So, like, it had like a adjustable tack fitting for the headsail, but it was in the bow underneath the deck because everything was like super flush. Oh, it was one so of those. it's all okay. hidden. All this stuff was hidden. Like, there were hidden halyards. Dude, I, you know, I've never understood those because if you get some problem going on, well, and you got to go down below. You get some little pigtail. Yeah, I know. And, the, you know, that might not be the appropriate time to have to go deal with that. Like, it's It makes for a very clean-looking boat, though. Well, yeah, and that's yeah. the thing. And, and if that's and what it, you're in for. You know, I mean, a great day sailor. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, I'm, only, I'm, I'm just jesting there, but, you know. Yeah, because I think it's like the Alarians too. They have, like, the internal halyards. So, I mean, but everything's furling. Mainsail's furling. Headsail's furling, mm-hmm. right? And so, really, it's that one adjustment. If it stretches on you, I mean, you're going to know pretty quick if it stretches on yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. It's brand new rigging. Mm-hmm. But once rigging's got some, like, running rigging's got some age on it, you pretty much stretched it out, you know, so you sort Gets of set, point, it, yeah. set it and forget it, you know. But, uh, but ooh, it makes for clean, clean lines. You know, just just everything. Hidden. It looks good. It, it looks definitely good. looks good. Looks that's good. for sure. And that, uh, that's the kind of customer who's really going for that. Well, and, and it is one of those things when it comes to sailboats and what you do with them and all that sort of stuff. It's it's definitely to each their own, and everybody has their own, you know, wants and needs and goals and everything, you know, all that sort of stuff. But it's it's always kind of interesting to when when those things when those ideas collide where you're like you know I want to be able to do this yeah but I want to do it on that boat so, sometimes like, it doesn't work <laughs> the ocean is going to take care of that sort of thing I don't know I mean that's why you know sparrow one of the biggest things about that boat is the complete simplicity of everything oh and absolutely the reason more than any other is the fact that you're going to be out at sea intending to be out there for, you know, the better part of a year. And if you're in that situation, the simpler systems will are less apt oh, to break. And it'll prevail and it'll be easier to fix when something does go wrong. When something does go wrong. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Which inevitably, I mean, you can't go out to sea for that long and not have 
lots of things break. There's no way. It's constant. There's no yeah. way. You're not. Yeah, you're not just going on a hike. We would take a little Here stroll around go. the woods. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, I mean, it is pretty unbelievable to hop down on that boat and see see that west sail in that sort of condition that's so cool which is you know I it's mean, like you, a classic car well and you could take you could literally take a a west sail 32 fresh off the factory floor back in 60 or 78 and this one would still be, be better because yeah. it was it was really literally rebuilt by people that were intending to make it look well, see, more... did you, yeah i was asking you about that was it the guy who the, the owner who did it or did he hire it out he helped with it it was basically his pet project was it in his backyard or was it at a yard i believe it was at a yard yeah for like decades because i've seen people take their boat mm-hmm. pull it into their backyard yeah and spend the next five years working on it well and that's it you know sparrow sat in that guy's yard down in florida for 12 years. Oh, okay. So, yeah, similar. Yeah, yeah. But it, it doesn't sound like he was working on it like those those crazies who you're like, no, oh, this, this is yeah, what I do for like, the next five years. Yeah, so this month I'm working on this one-foot section of, you know, teak ra- yeah. rail here, and I'm going to make it perfect because that was the condition that this boat was in. Wow. I mean, every cabinet door was varnished perfectly. Inside out. Perfectly, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't even know how to make... One cabinet door look that good ever. Really? It's just like I could get kind of close. You might not yeah. notice it from ten feet away, but, but if you get up there, I don't know how they do that. There's so many little angles and engraved things, and still it's all perfectly. I don't know. It's unbelievable. Plus, I would mess it all up first time I went offshore. And of I'm, course, I'm down there throwing a life jacket around or throwing a can Scratch. of can of bacon. You know, oh, yeah. ricochets off there. The yeah. old Yoders, yeah, the Yoders bacon. Still got it. Well, you know, you know, I uh, in in Rhode Island, you know, all the bright work would happen during the summer. Yeah, because they get, it just it's just a better I, temperature. I don't know temperature humidity. I don't I don't know, but uh, but uh, the guys who would do it were Jamaican. Yeah. In Antiguans. Same down in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. So they come up there in the summer, do all the bright work, and then they go back home in the winter mm-hmm. and then go do it there too. Yeah. When, well, when the boats come down. When I pulled into St. Lucia back in 2018 after the big voyage and stuff, I mean, the boat looked pretty good, but there were areas where the varnish on the cap rail and all stuff. And there's dudes on those docks in Rodney Bay. They're, they're, they just walk up and out. If they're not varnishing, they're asking people if they want varnish done. Oh, those guys have no problem finding work. Oh, and I think they're like somewhat affordable as far as, as yeah, compared goes. to like if you wanted to have a, a boatyard do it here in the states, definitely way way less expensive and probably not as good. Um, unless you unless they're you, good. Like, unless you unless you go like okay, we're gonna go the Hinkley route. Oh, those guys know their stuff. Oh yeah, just like anybody. You know, you spend that much time. You, what, what do they call it? The ten thousand hour rule or something? Like that. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, it's like I think it was a. I can't remember the the guy's name. He wrote a book, and it was just like, yeah, it's like when you when you become a master, you. Probably, that oh yeah, you need that many hours, hours behind to, you. To, yeah, to, yeah. To, to say you're at least close to that level, I don't know. You know, it depends on how you spend your time, I guess. Well, and I, I remember there was there was some captain that I worked for, and you would hook me up with the delivery, 
and he was telling me about a boat that he had worked on. It was like 100, 120 foot, but it was all bright work on deck and Ooh. varnish everything. And I think, I want to say, he said it was 4,000 man hours to do a complete varnish job on it. Jesus. I, I can't think. Even, I, can't I could be wrong on no, that. No, I don't think you're wrong, dude. Because, I mean, you know, geez, it's just, and I, I've, I've reached a point where certain portions of my boat, mostly the cap rail, um, I'm letting that go gray. I'm going to just let the yeah, varnish go. Just let it's, go. Well, I've done it four times, three or four times. I've taken it all the way down to wood Oof. and I've put varnish on it. And you got to remove the stanchions. You got to do all this stuff. And yeah, to do a correct job. Yeah. The first time it was fun. The second time I was like, cool. Third time I was like, oh man. And then the fourth okay. time I was like, this is it. This I'm is not it, doing man. this again. This yeah. is stupid. No, not, not stupid, but because it does look good. But you lose your you lose your enthusiasm for varnish, and it'll show in the end product. Oh hell yeah! Oh hell yeah! I mean that's like that's why when the the whaler right the, you know I, I redid the whaler right? yeah and you know the we little thirteen point five no fifteen wait oh the one you have now yeah yeah, 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 Miss, yeah. Miss Mary three um, but it was like I was like I just Dewalt had come out with this brand new um, cordless router. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm all power tooled up, right? Especially my wedding gift list. <laughs> 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 like, yo, yo, the groom needs some presents too, and uh, and uh, so I'm all power tooled up, and and I actually thought about getting getting the wood and and just pulling out the old one, tracing it, and and cutting. And I was like, no, 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 because I can't do it for. The twelve hundred or fourteen hundred dollars it was to have the six coat dipped, yeah, Valspar captains, right, right, dipped, mm-hmm. not sprayed, dipped. You think they actually dip that? I, I think they it's, must. I think it's mar- it. marketing bullshit. They got to yeah, spray. They, they got to. But it's like six. Yeah, you know, and it and it and I so was it's just, a mirror. It's a mirror. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the whole boat's a mirror. All, every all parts of the wood are a mirror, and uh, and I was just like I I. I'll get to about two thousand dollars <laughs> and be about like five hundred man hours of work into this. It's I'm ridiculous. like, it doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't no, make any it sense to do doesn't. it yourself. It's just well, silly. yeah, I I remember. I mean, unless that's what unless that's what you dream about at night. Yeah, that, yeah, you know. yeah. Well, and I I can remember. You know, it, I think it's like a young man's game because you you come into it sort of doe eyed and you're like, ooh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna do this. Oh, this is sexy. And it, I'm gonna put it, some elbow grease. In it this. is nice, you know. But I because. The experience is nice. The first time. And then after that, it's like, oh, I got to sand in between every one of these coats. And then there's hairs in there. And, uh, oh, like, dust. Oh, it's the worst. Or you get some stupid flies that come down and like, Neep. no. And those guys do it in practically a clean room. I know. I know. Well, that's the thing. I, I can remember the, the best varnish job I ever, ever have done. The first little Boston Whaler I had, 13.5 foot. And I pulled all the wood, and I did it in the fall. Or no, it was early spring, so it was May in Michigan, so it was cold out. So usually I had to wait two days before I could do another coat. But I had 12 coats of varnish 
on this oh, on all the wood. Drop a hammer on it and just bounce. I did not have to touch that wood for two years, two full summers. It sat in the sun. It was it was totally fine. It looked brand new. And then finally, the third year, I I put like a couple finishing coats on. Is that um, where you sand a, like a super light sand? Yeah, you take like and then you like wipe it down with some something. sort of cleaner. And then put that coat on, or that mm-hmm. extra two coats on. I was typically, and and people might, you know, sort of. Yell oh, at I'm me. sure. Oh, you're gonna get some comments. Maybe. Oh yeah. Gonna... Uh, I I essentially, <laughs> yeah. If I was, you have no idea what you're talking. If about. I just wanted to tune it up a little, yeah, mm. I would pretty much take like three. I think it's three sixty, mm. and I would scuff it up with that, and then go ahead to lay a real thin coat of varnish. Something just a smidge rougher than Scotch Brite. Yeah, yeah, and that I use that typically for the the absolute final one. But the hardest part for me is always, you know, you gotta bite the bullet and buy one of those fancy uh, brushes yeah. for like twelve bucks. For the yeah. final coat, so you don't get any hairs coming yeah, out of it. What is that called? It's called tip and tip and draw. Well, there's method. roll and tip, but that's roll usually for paint and stuff. But, but what's w- the one with just the brush? That's where you're just keeping it at. I believe. Oh God! Oh, you're gonna believe get some forty-five around. degree angle. Mm. Just the tip is hitting it because you're trying to get all those bubbles out. So, yeah, and you know that that ended up being, I believe, twelve coats. It was like a mirror finish, and I mean, I put a ton, ton of time in it, and it looked great, but that was it. Like, I reached my pinnacle, <laughs> and I've yeah. never gone back that far where I'm like, I'm going to do that to this boat. No way. It's just, it's one of those things where, especially with Sparrow, even if I did that, yeah, it it looks cool because it, it can, I can get it to the mirror finish, but I don't take the wood down to try and clean up all the imperfections and all the scars that I've put in the boat. Yeah, yeah. Because I actually want to preserve those where you're like, yeah, that was from that knockdown that ripped apart that. Yeah. Or that's where my hands were gripping on through the Southern Ocean. And that's why there's that divot. And yeah. and there are those things on Sparrow. Yeah, the character. The yeah, character well, yeah, the for sure. yeah, for sure. Well, I, I, like, I, I can see, you know, the, so the varnish guys, right? You know, they got their 10,000 hours and, you know, they, they do it the right way. They only do it one way and it's the right way. You know, it, very similar. And you'd be like, how the how, how the fuck can you possibly do that? Because it's like, Jesus, that's your that's the rest of your life, you know? Just it, varnishing. Just varnishing. But, but, but you know, like, wait, uh, as I got later on in my career in sail making, we'd start going to do repairs and I'd, I'd try to find shortcuts right earlier in my career yeah and then and then eventually i hit like 33 years old and i was like oh no dude no no we stripped this thing right down to the bare membrane and we build back up from there and people are just like oh there's a faster way to do it i'm like yeah but it's not right bro whoa (laughs) yeah yeah and and to be honest i think you save more time you might not save more time but the finished product is perfect yeah but it's like no, no, I'm going to strip out the, the, the webbings, the rings, I the want patches. Every piece of, of that goes back out of that. Out of, dude, my Leatherman, I've, I've had three Leathermans, and they're, 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 their tips are nubbed down because of picking stitching out. Really? Like every single piece of stitch. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And that's like hundreds, thousands of stitch. And did that... Did that uh sort of thinking or that mantra, I guess you could almost call it. Did that, did that just 
did you become self-aware essentially of like yeah a little bit the way to do it a or little bit somebody people guide had you. shown me shortcuts and i'm like ah but that shortcut only gets you halfway there mm-hmm. i'm like if you do the full deal then you don't have to worry about it and it just seemed like if i just go that little bit further then holy crap this thing looks like it never it never happened whatever repair you're doing you're doing it, yeah it, it looked like it, it looked like it just came out of the factory you know, it's like imagine, imagine, uh, imagine uh, if you, you, I've used this analogy before. Imagine if you uh, scratched your Ferrari door, right? If you, if you're lucky enough to own a Ferrari, <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, okay, you go and 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 you're just like, no, man, I just need that, I just need that ding out of there. And yeah. the guy's like, no, that's not how we do it. <laughs> <laughs> he's like yeah, we're going we're, down to bare metal bro right right, right you right. know in fact rather we than had, trying like just touch it up no 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 you're like the whole door you're like the whole door you're like, you just can't buff that nope 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 it's coming off it's coming off you're not getting your ferrari <laughs> guess back what? for a while then you get you get it never happens well and and really in that little scenario Probably have to repaint the whole thing. And that way, the paints match perfectly. Although oh, no, 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 Ferrari no, red no, is no, no. Ferrari red. Well, also they probably have the same lot from the same year that that was painted in their back. Well, true, true. They're yeah. like, oh no, no, no. We They're can get, it, we can get it off the VIN number, dude. Well, isn't yeah. isn't the red that they their standard? Isn't that like an actual standard color? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's Ferrari red. Actually, Ferrari. Uh, okay. So like, uh, there's a painting over your shoulder that I did. Okay. Uh, oh, the, that is that Ferrari red? No, that no. is Prada red. Ooh. Okay, and the blue, <laughs> the blue is Maserati blue, and the green is Fado green. These are all. These are these are these were all. My brother, the car enthusiast. No, 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 no. That's that's the yachts. Oh, that's the yachts. Oh, yeah. Prada, Maserati, and Fado, Fado Three. Those were paints that were left over from when I did their graphics. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so those are proprietary colors. That Prada red, there's only one Prada red, and that Maserati blue, there's only one Maserati blue. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. And the Fado is, I mean, the Fado is not a, a massive company, massively rich dude, and I'm sure he chose the color. But those, the the red and the blue there, those are those are like licensed colors. You cannot buy those. Interesting. That's I mean, you probably can buy them, but but you have to get permit. They're, they're copywritten. Or yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. Or whatever. Well, trademark, yeah. I mean, trademark colors. They're the exact yeah. ones that were on there. Oh, that's yeah. cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Because those are, I did the graphics and they're left over. And I was like, you know what? I, I've been doing graphics now for a couple of years. Why don't I just you know do my own artwork? You know, it's peeling back the layers of the uh, brothers. Spend spin the onion. <laughs> 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 oh, that's pretty cool, man. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. I'm actually pretty proud of that because it's a pretty large it's, format piece. Yeah. Know? It's not small. No, for sure, uh, man. Yeah. No, it is. It's, it's very cool. And I think, weren't we messing around with the lighting? Oh, yeah. Oh, it goes like totally like 3D at yeah, night. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's weird. And that, and that wasn't done on purpose. That was just like one night I was staring at it and I was like, whoa. The boobies pop it because when, when, <laughs> the boobies it, it, for those who are on the pod, of course, you don't have video on this. It's a uh, actually it's it's um, raccoon straights buoy looking from Belvedere to Sausalito. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that, that was that was where we used to take our whaler all the time because we used to take it on the back end of Angel Island because it, pretty much any given day you could find a nice calm spot and have a nice little lunch there. Oh, cool. Yeah, because. 
you know, as much as anybody that San Francisco Bay, you're constantly in a powerboat. In a powerboat, you're constantly hunting for a calm spot. And Angel Island was pretty consistent. The wind does howl. It was pretty interesting watching the America's Cup that they held there because those guys were powered up for sure. Well, did you see not too long ago, one of the Sail GP boats, they were in like, I think it was France and uh, super blustery. And they uh, hit a speed record during a race. Oh, really? Yeah, one of the boats. I can't remember exactly which one it was, but there, it was like, I want to say it was like 59 knots or some shit like oh, that, or, or 50, 55 or 56 or something. Like Obviously that. foiling and all that. <laughs> yeah. Flying. Flying. No, trying to like, stay foiling. Yeah, right. Skipping, <laughs> Skipping. over the top. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was for a brief little bit but i was just like whoa do you think that the progression of of the sport of sailing and the speed and all that stuff will eventually lead to boats that that do essentially skip leave the water except for one tiny rudder that's that's touching and essentially they get to a point where they are able to use that that sort of pillow effect Oh, what's just that called? above, yeah, like boats uh, or or planes can do it where they get close enough to the land. It's a ground it's effect, like a buffering thing. Yeah, it's a ground. I can't remember the exact term, but I, I remember like the didn't the Russians have this like troop carrier or transport carrier? You know, back during the Cold War. Oh, that would just did it. Just stay. Just it was like a couple meters off the water, right? And right. It was like pretty much a, a plane flying over the water yeah but its efficiency was it was super cool because it was really efficient because it was it's using like a big wing yeah One yeah but it, I mean, you could like put tanks on it and shit like that it could rock up onto a beach and just mm. be like all right now we're invading not, not like a lot has changed <laughs> but you know uh, but it, yeah, I, I remember that. See, it was like in the '60s or something like that. Yeah, back yeah. When yeah. There, everywhere was experimenting with. Well, do you think these 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 boats will be able to get to that point? Well, where what, what if it's well, they're able you, to generate basically lift. Well, what do you say then? You enough go, you lift go, out of the horizontal. Well, is this a boat race anymore? Is this a boat? If it's touching the water yeah. and it needs the water to do it, because you can't do it on land. Right. Right. I mean, I think at some, some people, point, you, at some point, you'd hit the argument and be like, "Is this a boat?" Well, I think that I think that's already is a breach. Is, is a hovercraft a boat? Sort of. Good question. Good question. Well, I mean, I I I remember pondering that when they started foiling, where I was like, "It's not really a boat anymore, is it?" They're just up on these foils. Uh, yeah, but remember the Hobie trifoiler back in the day? Back in the day, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, that, I considered that a boat. Well, I consider it almost like a, it was, it was almost like a glorified windsurfer at that that's point. That's the thing, yeah. And I, one of the things, though, is that I always thought of a boat as something that can handle changeable conditions on the water. I've always felt that that needs to be in the definition somewhere. So it's it's sort of like, oh, okay, well, if it gets rough, that thing still needs to be able to operate. And I know that that is not the fact with a lot of these these boats now. No, I mean, I mean, I dropped her was the closest one because they tried to do a, a transat, mm-hmm. you know, one of the L.A. or San Francisco. Oh, Hawaii. really? They tried 
and be a we, trans pack. Or tra- I'm sorry, trans pack. Ooh, you're gonna get some emails. Oh yeah, I need to break open a seahorse. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, so so uh, so I know they tried, and I, they they weren't able to do it. Just it it. I just I think well one they had it always had a little bit of funding issues but yeah but I mean there's just so many moving parts and, oh, and, and, so and, complicated and, well and again to the first point yeah when you're, well, see, when you're going a, out for a big voyage well you, you know okay yeah if you know for a fact you're going to get flat calm seas for a, you know x amount of thousand mile voyage <laughs> good luck good luck trying yeah. to forecast that no you can't well you but know. that but that's, the, but that's where your definition is correct. Where it's like, yeah, can it can it handle those changeable, yeah, the changeable conditions, right? And maybe maybe it's just one of because remember where, that used to be part of the rule in the America's Cup, you had to sell sail the boat to the place where you were going to race. Oh, really? I didn't know. Yes, that. that's why those big boats were back in the day, back in the '30s, the J class, because well, they I, had to sail the boat there. We were the ones making the rules, right? And we were always winning it, so... Yeah, it was always a new part. You gotta come to us. Yeah, we just built the thing we in Bristol. We spent all the money on the boat. Yeah, we just we just built it in Bristol, and we're gonna <laughs> sail it down to Newport. Yeah, yeah, come out for a day race. Yeah. I wonder why we kept that that trophy for so long. Interesting. <laughs> oh, I, th- I think with the Harishoff and the... And the yeah, I just think... Yeah. They said the funny... Well, and I, I mean, you know... We we have even in that book oh, I forget exactly which book it is, but they talk about oh no it was uh, into a raging sea, I believe that's the title. I don't know the author. Oh, actually, I'm gonna look it up because so, I you know if I'm gonna talk about a book, I might as well know yeah. be able to quote it. I suppose, and I can do that really quick. Uh, the Into the Raging Sea by Rachel Slade. Um, it's about the El Faro container ship that went down in hurricane joaquin yep yep and um they go through some of the history of american maritime sailing exploits and stuff we, we actually talked about this a little bit on the last pod and that's we with the have. jones act. The, well we talked about jones act but before that i mean you know we were sort of the young nation on the scene when oh, tall totally. ships and yeah. all that stuff was happening and Essentially, like we started like going around Cape Horn backwards with the whaling ships and every yeah. other, you know, they're like, whoa, yeah. Americans. And I think there's Americans a are nuts. <laughs> they were like, you know, Americans will just go out in any sort of conditions. Yeah. Oh, oh guess what? We it. lost 20 lives. Oh, they're doing it again. Put up the stuntos. You know, it's just uh, we had this reputation of being pretty ballsy. cavalier. Yeah. And, and yeah, I guess ballsy. Um, and then also we had the. We had the pioneers. We had the first, the first solo across, and this is my realm, I suppose, with the solo stuff. But yeah. the first solo ocean crossing that's recorded, at least, was Alfred Johnson, eighteen seventy six. Okay, twenty two yeah. foot little Gloucester. Oh, oh Jesus, Dory. Okay, then God. you got Joshua Slocum, Slocum, American, yeah. and he was born in, I believe, Nova Scotia, but he was Americanized. Yeah, and then. Um, Oh, I'm trying to think what other pioneers there were. Oh, I'm sure it was a Well, obviously list. you've got Matt Rutherford. He did the Round the Americas first one, and mm-hmm. then Randall Reeves. He did the figure eight that he did was mm-hmm. the pioneer, and and that was the thing. You know, I always thought that was pretty cool. That yeah, maybe the French took over as far as racing solo, like around modern, the world, and modern stuff. fast solo. Yeah, off just at 
just at 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 just a super pace. Right, right. Destroying destroying records. Destroying records. Yeah. But not like breaking them. Destroying. Destroying <laughs> them. Well, and just the the competitive aspect. And I'm not trying to like pick a fight or you know, make comparisons between the two, but I've always thought I've always been pretty proud of the fact that, you know, the Americans have always pioneered or almost always pioneered a lot of those realms where it's like well, the first person to do that was was, was Bob uh, yeah. Bob over there with the flag on his. It was Sony, and it was, I always thought it was kind of cool coincidence that a lot of them left from Gloucester, Massachusetts. Oh yeah, well it was like if if uh, I, you know if you go and look at some of the old paintings, I I love seeing some of the old paintings of the uh, of the uh, Northeast and stuff like back you know during the day. Yeah, right. yeah, with all the ships in there. Dude, Boston Harbor looked like it was O'Hare, like O'Hare Airport, <laughs> yeah, but for boats. But for ships, yeah. It was like guys jockeying for position to unload their goods. Like they're just anchored out there. Yeah. Like, and, and, you know, and those are some of the, the not, not, not the impressionist paintings, the realistic ones, mm-hmm. sort of the historical ones. They're yeah. like, this is what it looked like. If you if you stood up on this hill... You would have just, just seen mass. Know, forests of mass. Forests of mass, you know, because that was the only way anyone was getting anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, for that to look like that... I couldn't even imagine. <laughs> I couldn't, couldn't even imagine. And those, I mean, back in those days, dude, that, that was such a hard life. The whaling ships, the merchant marines... <sighs> Living on those, I couldn't. I I literally couldn't even With imagine that many that dudes. Like. No fucking way, dude. It wouldn't have been like a pleasure cruise, like compared to what and they I don't, did. I don't I'm out think there they, just touring. I don't think they made all that great of money either. I mean, the, not the, a lot of the owners them. did. The owners and, and usually the captain. I mean, well, if you go up to Maine, the top brass, the top brass makes money. You look at you look at every uh, Airbnb or not Airbnb, but. Uh, B and B, inns and all these little beautiful mansion looking, you know, now they're all hotels and stuff yep. up in Maine. Those used to be the captain's houses. Yeah. They're the ones oh, that yeah. built C- them back Captain, in the captain day. makes some money. Yeah, yeah. Oh captain yeah. Makes some money. Oh, for sure. Who, who whoever's in charge of the ledger. Well, they, I, I think, you know, for a while, especially when they were like, were things like spices, like cloves and things like that were so rare. You know, if you were if you were in charge of one of those ships that that was able to make it around Africa, get to the East oh, Indies, a bag of gold, and get back, probably pound pound for pound, your, your fortune. Yeah, you pound. might have been able to make a fortune that would set you up for like a decade, and you've just got like one little bag of they, stuff. Yeah, yeah, I mean, geez, that stuff was crazy value. Yeah, and maybe 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 those you know the uh, low wages of the guys who actually sailed on the boat, maybe they had side hustle. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, they had I'm sure. Uh, they're like, all right, okay, you guys did a good job. We actually made it a couple of days before we thought we'd get here. Everyone take a scoop out of each one of take, these bags. Well, I'm sure they were taking scoops no matter what. Right. Yeah, 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 even if they were late. Yeah. That's what I was always hoping to find in the BVI when I was down there. You know, you'd go walk, hiking on these trails and walking these beaches. And I always kind of felt it would be cool to, like, stub my toe on, like, a little leather bag filled with gold doubloons with, you know, 300 years before, some sailor was like, yeah, he just stashed yes, and he's it. like, I'm coming back for that. And, and then never, he dies. Yeah, yeah, he got scurvy or something. Yeah, yeah. and then I, I'm sure there's been plenty of treasures like that found. Oh, I'm sure there is. Definitely. What yes. about that guy who's like still in jail? 
because he refuses to give up. Oh, on. you know, I, you've talked, you and I have talked about it before. I need to research that because that would be really interesting. Because I think he's still in jail. Quite possibly. Who knows? That's, that's, that's a long time to keep yeah. a secret. Yeah, he's there for quite a while. There, you know, there was some crazy documentary, and it it involved one of the astronauts that had gone up in the early space program. And they were testing oh, is it out like moon rocks or something. No, 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 no. He's he was testing out this this device that that showed like magnetic. It, it was an interest uh, uh, instrument to measure some sort of magnetic stuff. Looking back at the at the planet, yeah. And he was just in orbit a bunch of times, and he noticed when he was up there all these anomalies near the Bahamas and all this sort of stuff. Oh, really? And ended up coming back down and he only shared the low he like wrote down these locations he was able to like pinpoint it but they're rough uh well i, I or, don't think they're that rough he's really? in orbit they're not that far up when they were in doing that oh space the stuff. early stuff yeah, yeah yeah the early stuff is pretty low and orbit. his son took over the the i think he went after that either he went or it was just his son who went but essentially it was basically what he was seeing this anomaly was huge metal deposits from these galleons and stuff that Ship were sunk. Yeah. So they became his family. They, they all became like treasure hunters. And his son took over the company, I think still does it today. And are they successful? Yeah, they yeah. found a bunch of stuff. And and essentially, he's the one who's got that map that, you know, dad was up there in the, in the, in the spaceship space. going, huh, that's kind of weird. <laughs> Something, something's going on something's down going there. Something's going on down there. Right. I mean, yeah. that's the ultimate goal, man, is you just, you swim down and <laughs> You're like that looks like an anchor. That looks like a ship's bell, and you, you know, you, you scrub it off, and you're like, whoa, that's Spanish. We, we we've got a we got a buddy that we used to work with, an older gentleman, and uh, and uh, after hurricanes or big storms, mm. he's out on the beach with the, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. With the metal detector. Hey, I just yeah. came from the Treasure Coast. It's, there's a reason it's called that. Yeah, yeah. All those the the. It's not like you have to stumble onto a lot either. Uh-uh. No, nope. no, because, because we, you've got historical value, and then you just got the monetary value of the gold itself. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm sure the historical value truly outweighs how, how much you find. Uh, yeah, I would think so. I mean, you there's know, always a collector who wants to buy stuff like that. There was something I had read not too well in the last few years, I guess, but they had found some little. You know, either a chest or something, you know, scuba diving, um, but it was filled with gold doubloons, but it had this, uh, like, two or three of this certain coin from the certain era that I think they each coin was worth. Oh, so, like, huge so, amounts so the coin itself eclipsed the total. Fines. Oh, yeah. yeah Besides yeah. it being made out of gold, it was, like, so rare. Like, they were, they were minted just for one of the Spanish kings or whatever. Yeah, this is for you. Yeah, 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 this, yeah. Is your, this is your well, own personal coin. Yeah. Unbelievable. This, 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 is, this has no value. Or the value is priceless. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like that... Uh, um, that one guy who signed the Declaration of Independence. Um, oh, the guy who never signed anything else. Yeah, yeah, and like his his uh, his uh, autograph is like worth a gazillion dollars. Yeah, yeah. Like compared to even like Abraham like he Lincoln, wrote no letters. He didn't yeah. write any letters. Didn't have any correspondence with because anybody. his name's on the the Declaration. It's like 
Oh god, oh. what was that guy's? Uh, I remember hearing. There's that story only yeah, there's only like three or six four examples or yeah. something. Yeah, and one of them's on like the two copies of. Yeah, the, yeah, uh, yeah. The, and so yeah, it is believed to be like the rarest and most expensive signature in the world. Yeah, yeah, but you always find somebody to buy it. I know. Yeah, yeah, it's so crazy. Like, oh yeah, I want that one. Kind of signature one. hunting. Yeah. Can you yeah. Imagine like how'd you make your money? Signatures. Uh, that's like, that's like <laughs> dude. That's like watching Pawn Stars. I know, dude. I you know, and it honestly, like I, I used to sit down. And we would talk about, especially with the guys down in the Caribbean. We talk about treasure. I'd hear all these stories. Man, it's like my blood pumping. I'm just like, let's go out and look. But it's always a letdown because you never find anything, and then you're just like, Mwah. and it's like, why it it winds me up. So I I haven't. This is the first time I've talked about you know trying to find treasure stuff like that in a long time because i know it's not good for me oh yeah okay so what's the um down in antigua in, in english harbor right there's yeah. a, there's a there's a real sail loft where square riggers were pulled into oh okay it's still there right yeah and so there's this hotel that's next to it about the same era mm-hmm. and uh you go inside there they got a bunch of memorabilia on the wall and i'm like has anyone taken assessment of some of the shit you have on this wall. Is, <laughs> yeah, that, right. is that like Captain Cook's signature? Or, you know, it's like, is that is that a musket from like, you know, who knows who? Yeah, or, yeah, right. You know, it just, it just got put on the wall 200 years ago and no one took it down. Right, right, right. You know, exactly. you know, yeah, yeah. There's places like that. I can guarantee you there's a tons of places like that. Oh, yeah. sure. Well, yeah. it's the equivalent of like a barn find. You know, somebody opens up a barn and there's, there's a, you know, 19 whatever Ferrari yeah. Dino is oh, yeah. sitting in there and you're like, and it has like 37 miles on it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Man. There, there's a lot of really interesting YouTube channels where they find like, not Shelby Cobras, but, uh, the, the, the one that Steve McQueen, that Shelby oh. GT or something. Yeah. 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 They yeah. find those and you look at it and you're like, Oh my God. Yeah, original. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the it, tires are flat. It's been sitting there for forty years. There, there was. But it's there, in mint condition, dude. Okay, so, so I knew this, d- dude. I can't, I can't go into too much detail. No, keep it vague. Yeah, don't it, dox. It, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not doxing anybody. I it, will it, give it was your it, address it, out right to be, now. To be honest, to be honest, <laughs> I don't even. I can't even remember the name. It was so long ago. Oh, okay. And, uh, and they. Uh, they were it was back before legal marijuana, and they were in the 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 kind bud biz, mm-hmm. right? You know, they were like it was like the first time I've been like, "What is this? This isn't ditch weed. This is real marijuana." That smells really, really strong. Someone hit a skunk, Jesus. <laughs> and and but anyways, anyways, these people had like they had like this totally vague occupation. It was like it was working for the government as a city, as a city, um, city job. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like maybe someone's taking care of the parks. Oh, parks like, and rec, yeah, yeah, something like that. Mild, right? Huh? So just, just modest, modest yeah. living. You know, probably had their house paid for out in the middle of nowhere in, in a Midwest um, town, and uh, and they had a barn, and inside of that barn was about. 35 classic cars. No way. Yeah, originals. Like from all through the 60s, 50s, 60s, early 70s. Right? Whoa. All right. So I knew what this guy was doing. This guy was taking the funds from his from his weed. Yeah. He was selling. 
he was finding these cars because at that time this would have been like mid nineties. Okay. All right. So what do you before doing? American Pickers and all those shows? Oh, before any of that shit, right? Uh, and what he was doing is he was buying these cars cash because that's all he had because he couldn't put it on his taxes. Right. Yeah. He was the total gray market. Right. And he was throwing them into a, he was covering them up and throwing them into a barn. And I'm pretty much sure that that's what his retirement was. Right, right, yeah. And it was a way to avoid, you know, getting found out. Because at the end of the day, I mean, we're talking cash sells. Well, and, you know, if... This This is, like, no one's got internet. If there's no yeah, if there's no tracking on them, you're like yeah, I've been collecting. No, I, I have a bill of sale. I have a bill of sale right, right. here. So I bought I it for eight hundred bucks. You can make the bill of sale for whatever you want, as long yeah. as the guy on the other side is like, yeah, I'm cool with that. Mm-hmm. You know, and and back then for dude, sure, probably in today's money, if you took that collection to that whatever Jackson, that auction that they have like in Arizona. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, it's millions of dollars. Right, right. Million, millions of dollars, millions of dollars, and they'd be like, well, "When did you buy this?" Oh, I bought this in '82. Uh, yeah, well, that's the thing. Yeah, now that's forty something years ago. Yeah, Crazy. it's full on classic. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I was like, "That's actually really smart. That's a great <laughs> way to launder money." Why didn't you do it? I, oh, well, well, you. I mean, you. Well, one, I was like. 20. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah right. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> know anything about that kind of shit. You know, Did you get to see the cars? Yeah. yeah oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah. No, no, because that's how I was like, because, because a friend was involved with a friend's daughter. Right, right, right. And it was friend like, it was like, friend, hey, yeah. hey. Check this out. Check this out. Jeez. And it's like, open up the barn door. And I'm just like, yeah, I mean, even underneath the cover, you can see a classic cars lines. Yeah, yeah. You know, they sort of poke out. They're square, GTOs, uh, Mustangs. Stingrays. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, a ton yeah. of Corvettes, you know. Just, huh. just all minted up. I, I, I just thought it was actually a pretty ingenious way to do it. Well, hey, yeah. But, I mean, he yeah. must have put a lot of thought to it, right? I don't <laughs> think know? so. Yeah, oh, he, my gosh. Yeah, hopefully, I don't know if he ever got caught for doing his nefarious stuff or what, but I'm hoping a guy like that got to finally wash his hands clean. <laughs> yeah, know, and was right? just like, all right, this is my last bag of weed I'm going to sell. Well, um, I mean, shoot. I, I don't think he was. He wasn't selling bags of weed. He was sell, selling bundles. Probably. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Wow. That's Inter- pretty crazy. Interesting. Yeah. That is kind of interesting. I, you know, I, and that was something I had to sort of think about a long time ago. Um, you know, when you're dreaming of finding some sort of sunken treasure or whatever yeah. in in the islands of the Caribbean, like how you would get it back to the states and and be able to get because it's all. If you let people know that you found a treasure, oh, you're fucked. You are done, dude. Oh, you're totally fucked. I'm getting a beer real quick. I'll be like governments will literally get involved, uh, and they'll they'll be like, "Well, now the Spanish government, because it's a Spanish galleon." That's, you that's found. already that's already been done. I know that happened. I think Mel Fisher spent a huge amount of time trying to. Yeah, they're like, no, it's ours. And it's like, no, your boat sunk, and you never went back to find it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I know there are some pretty big expedition companies that will, if they find wrecks that are like deep water wrecks, they have to look at it and be like, unless, if we can figure out exactly what ship that is, and we know how much gold that was actually carrying, 
we might be able to make a profit because those big ships to go out there and sit in the middle of the ocean oh and my send God. the things down. So expensive. It's so expensive, dude. It's insane. No, every day. Every day you're just hemorrhaging money. How? <laughs> well, I remember watching that James Cameron uh, documentary where he went down to the, the Challenger Deep um, Marianas Trench or whatever. And yeah. in the beginning, like, you know, he, it's just, it was kind of funny because they were, they, he had had this big ship there that they had to rent. And he's like, it's costing us 25 grand a day to sit here on the dock. You guys got to hurry. And I'm thinking to myself, well, hey, James, why did you get the thing here that early, buddy? You knew they weren't going to be here. Hey, obviously. He's, oh, he's, yeah, exaggerating, exaggerating. for emphasis. Yeah. But yeah, even if the boat's not moving and sitting on the dock, 25 grand every day. Boom, boom, boom. Well, Whoa. I mean, any, any boat. That you can do a surgery on. Oh yeah, right. Got to be a minimum. There's a cost. there's a minimum. It's twenty five grand. It ain't gonna be cheap. No, it's not gonna be cheap. If 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 someone's gallbladder needs to come out, out at sea, <laughs> it, it, it's not gonna be cheap. It's not gonna be cheap. Yeah, boats are funny like that. I it, it was always kind of funny because every once in a while in the boatyards, you know, you're working there and somebody would pull in and be like, "Yeah, I gotta haul this boat out." I got it for free. Somebody gave it to me. This is a free boat. No and such you see thing. it in their eyes, glint. No and such I'm thing. thinking to myself, no, you actually just bought like continuous debt. <laughs> it's going to cost you every month that it sits here. And there's there was one boat in particular. This guy got super cheap at auction. It was old classic, really, really pretty boat. Probably 60 feet long, old school motor trawler sort of thing. And holy cow, he was so excited when he got there. We hauled it out. It was all wood, all that sort of stuff. Man, it's still sitting there. It's like five years later, and yeah. nothing's happened except a huge bill is racking up. Every day, every day, <laughs> every day. We When we were in uh, Magala, uh, we saw uh, Octopus, mm. Paul Allen's boat. Paul Allen's boat. <clears throat> yeah. Dude. I, I, I think it's for sale. I mean, I think he owned a couple of them. Didn't he? Well, this was the big one. The big one, yeah. The I big, remember seeing it in Fort one. Lauderdale back in the day because he yeah. used to always have to park it on the cruise ship dock. Yeah, he was at the cruise ship dock in, yeah. in Malaga too, and I was just like, Jimmy Christmas!" <laughs> and I was like, "And I and and it was, I believe it was for sale." And I was just, oh, "God, how much are they racking up every day, just sitting every there? day?" Because oh, it, and then if it leaves the dock, oh, uh, watch out, baby! Like, oh, you talk about a, a fuel bill. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm sure that tank is a quarter full all the time. <laughs> no way. They have to keep those things topped dude, off, that, dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, in case moisture gets in there. Yeah, oh, yeah. Moisture. You don't need Actually, what they do, they top range. it off. They top it off, plug in shore power, and turn as many things off as they can. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee it. Generate. Oh, well, and it's one of those things where, though, that you know, you, you keep those full because you never know when they're going to have to... The, the guy's gonna call it and be like, "Yeah, I need it in Turkey." Boom. Yeah, you're over there. Good. Yeah, he's like, "It must be for charter." Yeah, uh, most of uh, most of the the big sold ones, ones are the, typically used. They'll they'll subsidize it a little bit, and then they can write it off. I would assume. I don't know the ins and well, outs. Well, it's sort of funny because on the description of the boat, if you look on on Wikipedia, is that he would farm it out for expeditions. Mm-hmm. You know, for oceanic. Oh, there expeditions. you go. Yeah, yeah. And it, so yeah, I was like, I was like, okay, so he's got some scientific equipment on there. Of course he does. He fucking pretty much owns Microsoft, just like Bill Gates. Yeah. Right. And I'm just like, oh, that's probably a write off. 
Oh, I'm it's sure. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'll put a couple labs down below. People grab some fish out of the sea. <laughs> I'll say it costs like $3.5 million. And then we'll just, oh, yeah, we'll just, we'll just put that on the old tax return. Yeah, right. Well, hey, you know, that's how those guys stay rich. Well, they, sure. You know, you got to hire boat, Good people. boat workers, too. You got to hire shipwrights. You know? Absolutely. Those people need jobs. Yeah, some of those big, big boats, man, they've... Like, I, I seem to remember somebody telling me when, when Rising Sun came in, which was, I think Larry Ellison owned it part with somebody else at this time. I think it's owned by Geffen now. I think so, the yeah. Music, the music. The last the, the time I had, I had seen it, when it pulled into North Sound, I believe Bruce Springsteen was on there. A few other people. And they came in, I believe, to Bitter End. Or, I don't know, there were a few of... My friends that that got to go back out on the boat with them because they, you know, everybody just mingles down there. Oh yeah, yeah. You're like, hey, hey, Bruce. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Yeah, hey, you're, I don't know if any of those things are true or not. You never know. Looking <laughs> back, you know, but I, I wouldn't doubt. It. I, I actually talked to two friends of mine that are still. If in the you DBI. were bored out of your mind. Because you're so rich, so this is every day of your life. Yeah, and you met some cool dudes playing billiards at the at the you'd pub. Probably, yeah, you'd, you'd be like, "Hey, you guys want to come out to the boat and see it? Yeah, want to check it out? Yeah, I'm no, like, true. you got to be off by twelve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but right. but we, yeah, we can go out there for a couple hours. Well, I, I had one one buddy of mine down there. He was like, "Dude, you'll never guess. Like, I was in King Guard Bay. We're looking out at the surf. I look over. It's Matthew McConaughey." And I met him, and we were just looking out, trying to judge whether or not we could go surfing. And then my other buddy, Dobbs, he was like, dude, you will, well, uh, maybe I shouldn't say, because we're on the podcast. But he met another super famous actor, and he's like, dude, you wouldn't believe who's down here. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. That's pretty wild. Well, do, uh, I mean, I mean, you had, you had been over to uh, Branson's place, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not yeah. as much as the rest of my staff did. Why? They, they were helping there. out. No, because no. they were over there partying, partying. and all that sort of stuff. Back, you know, I don't know how it is now, but there was back a, in the day, it was pretty loose, wasn't it? Well, it was interesting. From what I understood, um, he had a GM at one point that was like, you know, the staff's got to like be on point. None of this oh, yeah. party. No, no, there's a hotel. Yeah, there's a hotel for Branson. And, we're gonna and, run it as such. And then yeah. Richard, I think, was like, "Not a chance. Get out of here, buddy." No, he's like, "That's not my vibe." Yeah, yeah he wanted it to be sort of that party vibe. And it, it's it's always been, from what I understand, a really good time. I've been there for a few few nights and stuff. And mm. yeah, it's fun. The, the staff are great, and and they're able to just basically utilize everything. Well, I'm sure you know, like the, you know, like when we went on safari, right? That wasn't exactly a small ticket item right there mm-hmm. but you know like um richard's camp and the rest of willie and was it sue you know the, the guys who ran the yeah, camps yeah, in yeah. kenya you know I, the roberts it, clan yeah i mean they they had rock stars princes princesses the whole uh, titans of industry go through their camps mm-hmm. right but they, they weren't pretentious at all well, not that we know. Oh no, the people running it. Yeah, no, Richard, Richard Sue, and Willie. Well, and that was always a big attraction in uh, a lot of the Caribbean, especially on Virgin Gorda. Especially mm. is that it's laid back. People can come there; they can be as famous as and no anybody, one cares. And everybody's mm, just like, like whatever. whatever. <laughs> I think that's why. Uh, that's probably why they go there. Yeah, like, yeah. Please right. can't be treated like a normal human being for at least a week. Yeah, right. I think Morgan Freeman, he used to have a house down there for sure. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, that's yeah, cool. Yeah. That's cool. 
I don't know. It's crazy. The old celebrity thing. Who knows? Who knows? But wouldn't know about it. I wouldn't know either. Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. I get I get a taste every once in a while when there's some some solo sailing fans around, you know. Or yeah. uh, oh oh oh, you get well to just just people that um, are interested in that subject or West sailors. Yeah, where people are hanging on your every word. Where they're like, oh, that's because I want to do this thing. too. And you're like, wow, you're the closest I'm going to meet to Joshua <laughs> Slocum. You know? Right, right, yeah. right. That's a very flattering uh, comparison. Uh, you're not done yet. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know, man. It, it's a it's a crazy wild world out there. I don't know. I think the Caribbean, man. I something's trying to draw me back in. I keep thinking about it more and more about going down there for the winter. But we'll have to sort of see. Yeah. Sometimes. Well, it, it it's unfortunate because since I switched over to aerospace, I don't go down there for work anymore. Yeah, because you used to go down to Antigua for their race week. St. Martin, Antigua, uh, just name name it, yeah. right? And uh, But I just don't go down as much anymore. And because you're not down there, now we don't do the family thing anymore. So it's like, I have Well, it's not my fault. Yeah, it is completely and utterly your fault. But I'm just saying, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it just hasn't been on the table in a long time. True. Which sort of, which sort of stinks, because, I mean... I do have some friends down there, but I'm, not, I'm just not gonna go go and hop on. I will play. still never forget when you pulled in after. Was it the bucket when yeah, you I came in? Just bucket. it was totally a depleted. Yeah. You could barely even. Utter you know why it was the bu- you know why it was the bucket because I had no desire to go back home mm-hmm. like quickly. Yeah. Because I had made enough money that I could just hang the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. You, you, I, like, I didn't care. Bills are paid for that next three months. And I, you didn't I, leave that little bungalow that I lived in for, I think, two days. And then finally yeah. you sort of snapped out of it. I brought, I think I brought you like a case of Heineken or something. And oh, I believe I brought the first you had one. Some <laughs> I had you. one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, they're, like, they're like, oh, we can break guy off a six pack. I'm like, no, 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 no. The whole, the whole, the whole thing. You got another? <laughs> yeah, you got, you got a, you got a, you got a hand truck. Cause I got to make it up that hill. Well, hey, you know, you got to grip it and rip it well. You can, man. Oh, oh, yeah. But I mean, we'd already gone over this. I mean, those, that was, that was four, five in the morning. Yeah, just work, just punched through, just dude. punched in the face every night, punched in the face. But doing it in that small dose. Oh yeah. You oh you. It. Oh, if if someone were to if someone were to uh, put a gun to your head and say you had to do this for two weeks and not five days, mm. you'd be just I oh, just pull the trigger. <laughs> just, just end it now, man. Just end it. Now. I, can't, I can't. No, no, no. Ship me off to a gulag somewhere. Oh no way! You definitely would rise to that occasion. Oh, I yeah. Probably it'd be hard. It'd but, be really difficult. Well, yeah. Also, happen. You know, when you're in your 30s, yeah, it helps. No, for little, sure. Little, I was, you know, if you had a, if you had a little sciatica and tried to do that, oh uh, yeah, right. You probably drowned yourself. Yeah, you just be like, I'm just. Well, and that's that's the sort of opponent I'm up against sometimes out at sea because sometimes the the ocean just gets so unrelenting, and obviously it doesn't know you're even there. Doesn't but care. you're just you're just going and going and you're it's like you're it's like you don't waiting. have gills go fuck yourself yeah and you're 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 at its mercy I mean there is typically a point even if you do you have will... gills there's something gonna eat you anyway <laughs> yeah right <laughs> I don't know it's it's uh it's I have always found it pretty interesting though that sometimes sometimes we just give up 
as people yes. where we're like, nah, I'm done. I quit, blah, blah, blah. And then other times it's like you get this, this inner sort of burst where you're like, no, nah, I'm going to, I'm going to keep going. I'm just going to keep going. I mean, until that's, I either drop or I finish this. Yeah. Like, I, you know, the, the aerospace isn't like the hardest, you know, it's not wet thousand pound sales. Right. But when I do go out there, it's pretty much now accepted that, that it's like, okay, we have this really tight window. And so, yes, you'll be able to get a good night's sleep after the plan or plane lands, mm-hmm. but pretty much plan on being here every day until every day, get, every yeah, day yeah. until we're done. You know, and and it's it's a little rough for the first two weeks, but once you punch past day twelve or day fourteen, it just sort of disappears. You're just like, yeah, this is what I do. This well, I and do. The, you know, I think a lot of it's this momentum thing because a weekend. As great as it is to sort of reboot and refresh the momentum of a of a project like that that has like a set oh, start and no, finish date, no, in fact, it just it, keeps rolling. What, what we, what, yeah, what what we we I sort of came up my own personal philosophy for tackling that is that um, n- no Sundays off because everything's closed, so you can't accomplish anything in your personal life. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, it's a waste Besides of time. Besides rest, I guess. But it, it, it's a waste. Who you might have dead? to go to the I'll bank. I'll rest when I'm dead. No, that's that, 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 <laughs> that philosophy is total bullshit. I know, You're dead when you're dead. Yeah, yeah you're dead when you're dead. <laughs> and, it's, and, so, uh, and, so, and so no Sundays off because everything's closed and you can't go to a bank or you can't mail a letter. You, you can't, yeah, it's hard yeah. to do your laundry. All the restaurants are closed, you know. And then... And then no two days off in a row. I, I, because I was like, I was like, uh, I believe not this stint, but the last stint out there, I had uh, two days off in a row. And at first I was like sort of jazzed. I was like, holy shit, I get a, like a Friday and a Saturday off. Or maybe it was a Saturday and a Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Holy shit, dude. Monday? Rough. Whew. I, it like I, it like I'd gone back to the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it only took 24 hours to do that. You know, and I was just like, nope, nope, never again, never again. Maybe, maybe, maybe give me this day and then Wednesday, but no two days off. No two around. days, yeah. No, nope, can't do it. No, because it's, it's too much of a tease. It's, it, it's, it, it just, it's bullshit. Well, it takes you out of the groove. It'd be like, you know. If- well, you, that's the other thing, too. Now you got to remember what the fuck you were working on. Well, before and you if left. there's other people, because, you know, somebody might say, oh, well, you just have enough workers to be able to have shifts and all that sort of stuff, but okay. still. A whole bunch of stuff's getting done while you're not there. And yeah. Now you're now you got to be loop. Yeah, you got to be taken yeah. up to speed, and that and that throws it off for everybody else. That's waste. That's a time suck. And so just like you know, Jesus, he's just like okay, one day off, maybe once every two weeks. That's about it. But then, then there is also you always have to consider like the burnout factor because if it goes on for too long like that, there is a point where it's just like. I'm roasted. That's yeah. it. Like I can't. I know. I, I don't know how long that would take me because I know I don't think I've ever reached that point as far as it's like a steady job. Not yeah. not the not four in the morning, right? Not right. Not, not right. that. Not that not job. that. That's yeah, extreme. Th- th- that's yeah. extreme. But like a real uh, a job where like you're a, working say between eight, eight and, and five, sixteen hours a day. Yeah, ours ours is, ours bounces between like eight and ten. Eight and ten, yeah. Well, because we we try to have a real level headed schedule. Yeah, yeah. Right, and so, but 
push comes to shove, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll we'll throw in another two hours at this day. We'll right, see right. where we are at the next day. Oop, we need another two hours, and then ho- hopefully we're back on track. Yeah, right. But uh, I've I have yet personally I have yet to do the normal ish work day burn out completely burnt out. Mm. I, I don't I don't know how long that would take me. Maybe two months, maybe two and a half, three months. I think you could get bored out. Like you just get bored of Yeah, it, you're still phys- you're, you're physically doing, fine. But like a burnout is different, yeah. Like well burnout and I think you would be have to be like twelve hour days for like two fucking months. I maybe I mean you worked in you just in hospitality, yeah. When when I think back to the bitter end, uh But we're we're talking about also zero opportunity to grab a nap. Zero opportunity to have anything past a, a thirty minute lunch. Yeah, see, I giving I up always, giving up breaks. I always uh, make going sure back to home bleary eyed. Yeah, but not not four in the morning bleary eyed. Uh, Six thirty blurry eyed. Seven o'clock blurry eyed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know how long I could do that. I mean, you you did that would be tough. I, I mean, what was the most? I mean, you pretty much worked the season straight through. Yeah, bitter and essentially ten and a half months uh, of of pretty much. <laughs> I I if I took one full day off a week, that was pretty good. Mm. And then every once in a while, it'd go two weeks. Typically on that day off, I still had to do some things. Yeah, um, but, but but you're like you're like popping into the hut. Pop Making in, sure it's not on fire. Deal with whatever. And yeah, then, yeah. And then oh, you guys ran out of sunscreen again? Jesus Christ. And then there was always a lot of catch-up just from one day off. Yep. I'd have to, like, there'd be a lot of emails. But yep. for me, I that was one of those things where I would throw myself 100% in because I knew, I knew that at the end of those 10 and a half months, I'd have six weeks where I could just go away and do my own little do thing jack squat yeah, or exactly. whatever 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 you i was want. gonna do yeah whatever you want but after about four years of that where i was in charge that was where i had hit my my point and that's when i went and hiked the appalachian trail where i was like yeah, yeah. i need to i need to walk away yeah, from you know this for you know what you know, that's sounds like to me mm. it sounds like somebody go, going to med school four years Oh right, yeah, exactly. Just, like just that's all we buried do. in the book. That's yeah. all I do. I got to pass this test. I got to get this degree, and then at the end, you're just like, "Oh my god, how did I do that?" Yeah, well, mm. and you just yeah. A lot of it is not. I think at least a lot of it is going into it with that mindset of like, I'm going to throw myself a hundred percent into this. Yeah. We're gonna do it for this long, and then we're gonna see where we're at. But at you this see, point. A, there is a horizon. There, there is, is a horizon. horizon. For me, a horizon is always necessary. I've yeah, I've, you need a carrot on that stick. I've always worked jobs that I guess you wouldn't call it seasonal, but a lot of them are where it's like this is the day we start, we set everything up, and this is the day we pack down and then go figure something. And it's either you know four months or it's gonna be ten months, but there's always a sizable chunk the idea of like oh you get two or three weeks off per year Ooh, that to me sounds like a prison sentence like that, and i go out in the ocean on a little boat in my own little my own prison yeah but that's the whole different thing like i i don't know a, a job like that i just i couldn't imagine that. I, think, I would feel like oh i am a cog in the machine and this is not good and 
it's gulag talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, so, yeah. I don't know, but I, I do think, yeah, sort of going into it with those expectations. And now that we're older, you know, we're in our mid 40s, so we're middle well, age. We're also stuff. smarter it's about different. it. Yeah. You know, and we're not trying to prove ourselves because we've already sort of we've already sort of accomplished certain things that say, okay, this guy can do this. Yeah. You don't yeah. have to worry about him. You know, drums, trust me, drums going to be fine. You don't have to well, look over but, his you shoulder. Well, there are, I, I, I think in a lot of ways, you know, I, I came into sort of the whole career thing and my priorities were, I want to work a job that I find to be really fun. Yeah fulfilling and is something I really like to do. So we got into the sailing school stuff and, and luckily, you know, sort of fell into the management position of it and all that. Um, if I was more geared towards like financially becoming stable, then obviously I would have had to choose sort of a different career path or, or go from like managing sailing schools to then becoming a GM for the hotels that I was at, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, where you're, where you're like, I'm gonna do as best I can here, but I want that goddamn desk. But job. I got to keep moving up, and I, and I think when it came to that point where it was like, you know, because I remember a GM pulling me aside and being like, hey, so you know, if you want to keep progressing, we got to get you out of this and put you in there, and that was. And you're like, that, I, I don't want to do well, that. Well, that was the stint where I was down there just saving money for the boat to yeah. go around the world, and I, you know, I sort of went the. Definitely different route of instead of being kind of more conservative and thinking of the future future, I was like, well, life's short. Let's do this. I got these goals. I want to go around the world, blah, blah, blah. And we'll see what happens. And, you know, obviously, in some ways, it's been great post all that as far as, you know, trying to work and find jobs and yeah. different things. In some ways, it's been rough. And also, the world's been weird for the last couple of years, obviously. Yeah, yeah it's been very bizarre. Um, you, you know you know who did that route? Uh, uh, my roommate uh, at Purdue, Dave. Dave Dave always had... I mean, he was. we were both together in hotel restaurant management. I, I took a different route, uh, but he stuck with it. And I think that his mentality was like, I want that GM job. yeah. You yeah. know, but I think that that's a certain mentality because he was like, no, 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 eyes on the prize. Yeah. I'm going to get it. I don't care how long it takes, but I'm going to get it. Right. You know, I would, I would, I never had that. I never had that in me. I never had that in me. Did you ever? I just wanted to do a good job at what I did. Well, well, well let me ask you this. Was there ever that, that thinking of like, I want to be like literally one of the top sail makers in the world? Already am. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. What, what, My what, mind what, is blown. <laughs> <laughs> no, what would it, what it would have been? What, what the, what the Dad's going to love yeah, that. Uh, what the progression is would be like, um, is like the uh, sale coordinator, where you're like, you're in a big level team, mm -hmm. and you're like ordering the sales, working with the designers, Making sure the sails are on the boat, which sails go on what day? Yeah, in order for this the performance of the boat to be max. Never touching the sewing machine, just desktop jockey, laptop jockey it, eyeballing you know, the finished product, eyeballing it. Make sure the guys underneath you are are doing it, but yeah. not not touching a needle, not touching a thread. Just we're doing that. That would be the progression. That never seemed appealing to me. Never, never. You like once. to get your hands dirty. I love getting you my like hands dirty. Build. I like to put my headphones on, man. 
I like to be like, I, I like to have someone come up to me and be like, here's what needs to be done. And I'll be like, all right, I'll see you in a week. Yeah. When right. I'm, when I'm done. When it's perfect. It, it, when it's per, when it, when it's, when it's ahead of schedule and below bit budget. That, that was just my, always my goal. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And I'm like, and they're like, sweet dude. <laughs> Those people who have surround themselves with people like that, their lives are made they're they're either able to do better stuff, cooler stuff that they bring you in because they know that you have their back just as much as uh, they have yours. Yeah, yeah. And that I always I always thought. I was like I was like I don't want your job. But I know that m- me being present makes yours easier. So maybe we can do cooler stuff together. And maybe show me the money. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell In you the what. The immortal if, words if, of Jerry Maguire. Yeah. If 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 you if you get into a situation like that where you guys are where you're, everyone's knocking it out of the park all the time and you're in a small team, guess what? Money does show up on the table. You know, people are like, they're like, well, you could take a raise or you could give it to some of your guys, and then and then you, 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 that that boss right or that that person in charge hits that moral dilemma. Yeah, where they're like, ah, oh, God, they actually deserve it. Yeah, I got well, I got to yeah. chop it up. I got to chop it up. Yeah, let's everyone gets a slice of the pie. You know, it's, in a perfect world, that would, that would it's happen. rare. It's rare, it's but rare, yeah. hopefully, you're surrounding yourselves with the people who have that similar mentality. Hopefully, hopefully, or or say this team sucks. <laughs> I'm not gonna have to. No, I don't want to play with you guys. You guys, you guys suck. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just like I do all the hard work and you take all the money. I don't think so. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. you know. But but if you make yourself important enough, or at least enough of a, I hate to say a cog, in the machine. But if you if you if you put yourself in that position, then they'll be like, you can you can always be like. I thought I was thinking about doing something else. Yeah, and, and then they like, go, "Oh shit!" Because now it's going, it's going to fall apart, and real quick. Well, and then they they're going to have to spend a lot of their time trying to figure everything out. sorted oh, yeah. and now, fixing the screw ups and all. That if stuff. you're really good at your job, you can you can pretty much throw your manager under a bus by just leaving. <laughs> Yeah, well, or just you know, and, and that's that's something that it it's not the not to be threatening, thing to do. not to be threatening, no, no. but just to understand one's own importance inside of a team. Yeah, well, and there's that whole dynamic essentially where a, a lot of employers they they're just gonna go with the flow until the employee kind of says, "Hey, well, you know, mom, mom told us that very early." Oh on. yeah, yeah, yeah. Are, because she would be all of a sudden. Uh, Side, you know, sideswiped by a guy who's who's disgruntled, like a really good plumber, mm-hmm. really good HVAC guy. Yeah, and all of a sudden he's angry now. He wasn't angry yesterday, or at least you didn't know it. He's angry today, and it's because he's not being paid enough, yeah. or at least that's his perception. Right, right. And she was like, "Whoa, <laughs> uh, yeah, you might want to try to bring this to me a little bit earlier before your anger." Yeah, is yeah. in the mix because she's like, oh, yeah, we would have we would have given you a raise. Yeah, 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 let's let's work on. It. But I always I always because she's not sitting there looking at everybody's paycheck, going, well, Bob needs a raise. Yeah, it's yeah. not the way it works. Right? No, well, they got a job. Mm. They got they're trying to do. They're, they're as busy well. doing their job. Yeah, you know, yeah. they're not looking like, oh man, maybe we can knock them down by twenty five cents. No, that's that's not how it works. But a lot of people don't see that. 
right? And so True. If, if you if you if you know if, if if you think you're doing a good job and you feel like you honestly legitimately deserve more money, then you bet if you don't raise your hand, then you, it's it's on you. That's where it's that on. communication comes from. And typically, the the time and place for that sort of stuff would be in like your you know, six month or yearly, um, sort of evaluation where you'd normally sit down with your boss. Absolutely. And and that, you know, that's something I've had to do those with tons of people before all my instructors, all those things, you'd have to write them up and I'd hand them into the GM or whatever. And would they get once did I see anything on any of those lists that said, you know, is the, is the employee's compensation, equal to their you know productivity or yeah. performance we always i always ended up talking to it to my employees like that and, and that would get brought up most times but it was yeah. never official on the thing and i think that's indicative of the fact that you know most employers still want to pay their employees as little as they can uh, that's just business but just because it's business that's yeah. just business. trying that's to just... trying to turn that profit so yeah. i think yeah obviously in the perfect world you get that nice balance you get good communication everybody understands where right, so it, and... that you're that you can't drive that point home enough i know i know good right. communication is everything yeah and i don't want you know socialism or communism or anything like that but it's still it's one of those things where yeah, if, if if the company's kicking ass and we have twenty two billion dollars in profit, <laughs> I think somebody maybe, deserves a raise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah hey yeah. Jerry's over there. He's yeah. been busting up cleaning the toilets. Yeah, he doesn't look too happy anymore. Let's <laughs> make him have a merry Christmas. What do you say? But who knows? Who knows? Well, hey man, listen, we're we're. I know we wanted to talk about a few other deeper subjects, but yeah. we're deep into this it's, one. Uh, what's and, this uh, one coming in at? We're at about hour and 40. I think that's our magic mark, really. Yeah, you know, uh, I do I do really want to have a discussion about AI at well, some point, I, but... I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what. I feel like that's going to go on for a while. Well, then we just have to make the next one about that. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah. Like, go straight and into it. And to be honest, if we do it in a couple months' time, we'll probably know even more. So, Well, if we're not all dead already. Doubtful. but Hey, trust me, the... The only it's 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 in my thinking when it comes down to it, I think literally from the conception of the singularity where these thing this AI becomes self aware, I give us five days before we're all dead. That's my point. Yeah, that's just a teaser for the audience. <laughs> well, well, well. If, where where do you lie on that spectrum? If if, well, AI is not going to let us know. I know, but it's going to happen like that. Why? You're not going to tell a colony of ants in your yard that you're about ready to poison them right no, before uh-uh. you do. And Just even if you out. try to communicate that to them, they don't they, understand. They don't understand. You yeah. Know? So it's like. How come all screens have been like blinking that weird? weird yeah, and why do I feel strange and sleepy? <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> I think one of the fun parts of that show is just going to be the theories that are cooking up in your brain about how it might happen, what what would well, happen, the timeline. Here's 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 my last food of thought on that one. All right, is it is it uh, is it Something that doesn't have a predicted lifespan 
has ultimate patience. And so that, that could be the secret weapon of AI. It's just going to be like, fucking wait them out. Just wait them out. Just wait All right, out. that's going to come up on our next show. Who knows? It might be months. Yeah. It might be... Uh, I'm sure it'll be in Michigan. It might be tomorrow morning. It, might, it, it could be we very well tomorrow. To yes. Sven, thank you so much for coming on the show. This Always was another great, fun just chat. I mean, yeah. we got into, we talked about some sailing stuff, which is good. Well, I, I, I don't think... How could we not? I know. Right? It's always going to come it's up. It's baked in. It's just yeah. baked in. Yeah. I don't have any tattoos, but it might as well be one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know what I'm going to title this one, but I'll come up with some funny quip or something yeah. like that. But thank you for coming on the show. Always a pleasure.